Welcome back. Here we are again. Welcome back to Crime and Punishment. This is episode number three. Yes. Ted Bundy part two. Ted Bundy part two. This has been highly anticipated for both of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and for a lot of people that have listened to yeah, this. Yeah, I was surprised. We put the second, our second episode out yesterday, yes. which was part one for Ted Bundy. And the amount of text messages I know that we both gotten asking yes. when's part two coming out. I'm like, dude, we just released it astounding. two days ago. <laughs> Crazy. Calm down. I'm excited people are excited, but yeah. I was not expecting it no. at all. Okay, so book update, little life update. Me go first? Sure. I go first. All right. So I know I said last episode I didn't start reading a new book, but I actually had. <laughs> I was trying to keep it a secret because I'm annotating it for Sarah. Yeah. And it's she... Rebecca by Daphne. I can't say her last name because it's French. Daphne Dumare. Never heard of her. I think I'm saying it right. But um, so I've been reading and annotating that for Sarah for Christmas. And that's why I lied and said I did not have an update last week. But Sarah, I posted on Be Real. <laughs> Sarah saw a book I was reading. She knew yeah. it wasn't my John Steinbeck. An idiot. Said, she, go te- she posts Be Real. <laughs> oh, and there, no. was, uh, there was a book that she had in her lap. And I saw the whole cover. And then I texted her. I said, because she texted me. I'm, I'm reading the book. I'm annotating for you. <laughs> and I said, yeah, the way you just posted in your Be Real. She goes, is it Rebecca? And I said, no. <laughs> Gave herself away. I tried to save it. And I said, dang it. Yeah. I'm reading Time Traveler's Wife, which yep. is the book that Caitlin annotated for me. Like the very first episode I think we talked yes. about. And then I'm also reading a book that I'm annotating for her for Christmas. So she can't tell you. Yeah. Because I'm good at keeping secrets. Hey. So. Sometimes. It just happens. I've never given a secret away. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> That was violent. That was threatening. Uh, but um, yeah, little life updates. Um, I went to New Orleans. Yep, for she did. A, like a week. She went to some museums. Mm-hmm. Went to the Death Museum. I definitely want to go back. I feel like there was a lot I didn't get to see while I was in there, but um, I did get to see a lot of cool stuff. Speaking of, got to see some cool Ted Bundy stuff. So I was very excited about that. I was very eager to see all of it, but <laughs> a lot of fun. Some Charles Manson stuff. I think Charles Manson's my personal favorite. But really. Yeah, I think so. I don't think I have a favorite. I don't think I what? know. I don't think I know enough about serial killers. To have really, a I like one. John Wayne Gacy and Charles Manson. I think Charles Manson's my favorite, though. I, I know definitely Gacy and Manson are not my favorites. You didn't give your little life update. I didn't have a life update. You turned twenty-one. What are you oh. talking about? <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I turned twenty-one <laughs> on Sunday. You can't just say it now. <laughs> This is funny. <laughs> Just leave it in. I'll put it in it's that okay. way. Anyway, my life update. Turned 21 on the 8th. Yeah. <laughs> Had tacos at my grandma's house. They were so Did good. Did not drink. Going to not a distillery yet. on next Monday. Yeah. Without so, me. My bad. We're going on a hike to a waterfall and to the Moonshine Distillery in Nashville. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> enough said (laughs) (laughs) so yeah last week we talked about ted bundy this week we are talking about ted bundy yes um i know last week we did more of background story of ted bundy Mm -hmm. and then a lot of the murders yes the bulk of the murders yeah all happened bam 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 yeah i feel like we did rapid fire kind of some of them but that's kind of how it went in real life it was really did one right after another so i mean that was last week's episode this week we're going to talk a little bit more about his conviction his court time his 
prison life, um, the people that were in his life during the time, uh-huh. um, his execution, all the personally my favorite part of true crime. <laughs> His escapes is another yes. thing we're gonna be oh, talking about. Good one. Dude was a little like weasel. That's the best way I can describe him. Really? It's like a weasel. Like we said, in the last episode we told you how Bundy was identified in a police lineup by Carol Duranch, which was the girl that he attempted and failed to kidnap um the fall of nineteen seventy four and how that led to his arrest because he messed up. Dude just Lost it. Fumble the bag. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to think of a a play on words there, and it was just went over my head. Um, How this led to his arrest in 1975, his brief conviction in March of 1976, and how law enforcement officers from Colorado linked him to the February 1975 murder of Corinne Campbell. Just quick little recap for those of you. I mean, I know it's been a couple weeks since the last episode. Um, The Corinne Campbell case. Bundy abducted Campbell from her hotel room. Well, not from her, like outside of her hotel at a ski resort in Snowmass, Colorado in early 1975. She was found two months later, three miles away from the hotel, naked with evident blows to the head. Credit card transactions and evidence from Bundy's vehicle assisted with the case against him. Yeah. So another quick timeline update. By this time, it's believed that Liz was no longer um, in a relationship with Ted. Again, this is a lot of what you're going to hear today. A lot of discrepancies. Yes. So many. So many. I feel like even more than what we had last week, there's just 50 different people telling the same story with different details. Yes. So it's believed that they ended the relationship either in 1974 or 1976. Personally, I think they ended things. Their relationship ended in 1974, but Liz had you know, limited contact with him until 76 where she completely pulled the plug on him. Right. Because you have to keep in mind they were together for almost like a decade. Yeah. Number one, it's probably got to be so hard to ima- to the person that you've been with for so long to find out all this. Except, you know how we talked about last episode, how she suspected him? Mm-hmm. Like, why would you, me personally, I, I don't know. I feel like she should have just been already like emotionally distancing herself from that. Yeah. She but already if, suspected but I mean, him. She, she imagined like getting married to him and like had their whole life planned out. And then all of a sudden so you're telling me just because you're a little suspicious, someone might, I mean, personally, if <laughs> I was a little suspicious, I'd be out the door. That's what I'm saying. But it's the seventies and that stuff wasn't as common as it is. It wasn't as talked about as it is now. So I, I don't, don't I just, I don't know. I just think she was in love with him. Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah anyways so i believe that they were still in like loose contact for like two years letters and phone calls and stuff but i don't think that they actually like completely cut contact until 76 so unclear but fair enough it's all speculation as is most of this case We got some hard facts. There were people murdered. It was Ted Bundy, but like everything else in between. It's like everything else is just hearsay. Literally. (laughs) It's so frustrating. So Bundy gets charged with first degree murder in October of 1976 after law enforcement had searched the famous VW where they found hair, like we mentioned, belonging to Corinne. He was then transferred from Utah where he was being held on charges of aggravated kidnapping and criminal attempted criminal assault to Aspen, Colorado for trial. Um, he pled not guilty as one would (laughs) and is granted the ability to assist in his own defense. (laughs) My notes on this section say law is for real. No, for sure. I saw that and I laughed because isn't it funny? He was using that law school riz. He didn't even graduate, but like, I think it was all just a power thing. He ate it up. He just wanted to be in control of the situation. Gosh. (laughs) 
So, <laughs> since he's allowed to assist in his own defense for the case, he is given access to the Pitkin County Law Library. The judge having decreed Bundy did not need to wear cuffs or shackles of any kind. Because Which he was, is crazy to me. Right? Absolutely bonkers, dude. That's, had that's nothing unheard on. of. Had nothing on. Unheard of. That's where the risk You're on trial for murder and they're just going to let you walk free throughout the courthouse in the library? I don't know. <laughs> He pled not guilty, so it wasn't Still. his fault. <laughs> You're being suspected of it. <laughs> they don't know for sure yet. That's true. That's crazy. <laughs> Isn't it? That's what I thought. I saw that. I said, what the heck? Um, he was he was to be locked in the library with a guard. However, Bundy, smooth talking as he was, um, managed to walk freely into the courtroom and the library. Because he just was. <laughs> That's crazy to me. I think they all walked into this one. The escape? Oh, yeah. No. This first escape. But, but the thing is, you have to keep in mind that he was so he was so charming that everybody just wanted to be like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, Ted. That's my thing, though. It's like, I don't care how charming you are. You're on trial for murder. Sit right. down. <laughs> right. But I think that, but that's the whole thing. That's why he's such like a... He's such a conundrum for people to look at, especially psychologists and stuff, because nobody really understands how he did that stuff. Yeah. How he got away with it of just being because like you think smooth talking right out of like a ticket or something and no one no yeah. one falls for that. Yeah. This man walked into a courtroom and smooth talked his way out of a murder charge. Yeah. Like, like what? That's, That's unheard of, dude. No one's that charming. No. You know what I mean? But whatever. Wisdom up. <laughs> So on June 7th, 1977, while he was in the law library, the guard who was to be staying with him decided to go outside and have a smoke. So he was left in there alone. Wonderful. Again, unheard of. Wonderful. So Bundy decided to take this opportunity and jump from a window two stories up. Um, Bundy was later reported saying that, quote unquote, the sky was blue. And I said, I'm ready to go. I walked to the window and just jumped out. Honest to God, I just got sick and tired of being locked up. Um, Bundy has heard many years later telling the prison psychologist that he had noticed a number of opportunities to just walk right out. Um, and he even was quoted saying that he didn't know if he had the guts to do it, but I call BS on that because every escape, we had two escapes, but yeah, both escapes were completely premeditated, Yes, completely premeditated. Yes. Um, because he had planned out when he was going to do it, mm-hmm. where he was going to do it, and how he was going to do it. Also, I would say he also n- probably knew. I feel like people, when they take smoke breaks, they get into like kind of a subconscious routine of right. when they go. Right. So there's no way he didn't like he, he know, know their routine. He you know knew at least I mean? how long they're going to be away for. Yeah. How much time he had to jump out this window and where, where they were relatively having their smoke His breaks. His window of opportunity, if you will. Stupid. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> that was a good one so weeks prior he actually had been practicing jumping from his top bunk in a cell um doing this he was building up the muscles in his legs so when he did jump out of a window two stories in the air it wouldn't hurt as bad um he wouldn't he would have less of a chance of hurting his ankles or his legs um because what's the point of jumping out a window and escaping? You just break your legs. You're just there yeah, on the you're pavement. just stuck there now. So he he knew what he was doing. It For wasn't sure. like a spur of the moment. Yeah, I'm just gonna jump out of the window. No, he knew what he, he said, was what doing. What if I'm in a silly goofy mood and I just jump? No, no, exactly. He was not in a silly goofy mood. He knew. He had thought everything out. So, so despite all of this, and I did read this, he uh, sprained his ankle. <laughs> <laughs> despite all of his premeditation. <laughs> He still got her. Still had a bum leg at the oh, for sure. end of it. Um, 
took about 10 minutes for anyone to realize that Bundy was gone. So having literally nothing but the clothes on his back, <laughs> he runs into the mountains. <laughs> it sounds like your dad. <laughs> it does sound like my dad. <laughs> he runs into the mountains, breaks into a cabin where he stays for a few days and eventually comes back into town to steal a car. He finds a car eventually unlocked with the key still in the ignition. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have to hotwire it. That was nothing. a thing back he then. He turned it on. Mm-hmm. Um, goes to leave town a deputy eventually pulls him over because he was weaving along the road as reported by many articles he was driving so erratically that he stood out like a sore thumb instantly drawing attention to himself by police six days after his grand escape bundy was back in custody this is where i had the biggest problem with ted bundy my thing is is one of the articles i read was like he was in so much pain from his ankle that he couldn't control himself i'm like what? it's a sprained ankle Ever. get over like it use your mother foot what are you talking about <laughs> drive crisscross no literally <laughs> figure it out ankle it was stupid i i swear this probably wasn't the best thing to say but i genuinely 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 believe ted bundy was smart enough to get away with the whole thing if the man just knew how to drive a car like a normal person that's what i I think every time he gets caught for something it's because he was driving erratically and they pulled him over and found more than they should have no exactly my thing is is that for as a man that has such an infamous (laughs) car to not be able to drive (laughs) at all everyone knows ted bundy's volkswagen and if he just can't drive I mean, literally even just just this one instance if he had just driven normally he at least could have been on the run for so much longer exactly even if they did he catch him six not years later a week no six literally days. because he was driving erratically he said Whoa. you would think if you just broke out of prison you would like drive like the rest I'd of the like, people on the road like a grandma dude <laughs> yeah. i'm driving the speed limit exactly no exactly not under not over 40 radically down the road that made me so mad when i read that so bundy got caught as we just yes. talked about we know um he was caught he was taken to then a more secure jail in glenwood That's springs colorado quote, more secure yeah jail. you'll see why <laughs> exactly um he was charged with escape burglary and felony theft on june 15th of 1977 during the six months that he was held in glenwood springs a few things were taking place for one Carol Boone, who you detest her. I don't like her. She's just a she's just a character in the story. I don't like her. She naive. She's naive. So were all of the girls that got into his car and got killed. Okay, but at least they didn't follow him around afterwards. She knew it, dude. Sorry. You got violent. We'll get into this later. Yeah, right. Let's, let's let the story develop a little bit more, and then I'll, I'll go into my beef with Carol Boone. But I don't like Carol Boone. Anyways, Carol Boone was smuggling money into Ted. Um, so a reminder, Carol was the other woman. Um, Ted was cheating on Liz with Carol. I love Liz. And a lot of other people. No, for sure. <laughs> for sure. He had his secrets. <laughs> so um ted and carol had met in 1974 um but now she was currently ted's girlfriend after liz had left him he switched up and went to carol so um but you'll notice her role in this whole episode is basically just being ted's like number one cheerleader i love how much beef you have with her i don't like her i don't like her (laughs) I'll, i'll be honest she's not my favorite i'm team liz all the way all right so along with keeping a secret stash of money, um, Bundy was also planning his next escape. He began losing weight and starving himself down to 140 pounds. Enough for his defense attorney to notice, but not the jailers. Yep, he lost like 30 pounds while yeah. he was in jail there. Jailers have failed once again. As they do. <laughs> 
Um, there was an opening at the top of Bundy's cell meant for a, a replacement light that had yet to be replaced before Ted moved into that cell. Um, so basically, he starved himself for a couple weeks, so he lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. He ended up um, stacking law books and his pillows up on his bed and laying a blanket over it to look like a body was laying in bed. He carved um, the opening out wide enough so he could basically wiggle up into the air ducts and dropped down into the guard's living quarters where he changed clothes and literally walked out the front door. Yep. I would say the air duct, I think one thing I read, it was like 18 inches, an 18 inch opening mm-hmm. that he wiggled he through. He right through it. Got all the way, all the way to the uh, guards' living quarters. Again, a weasel. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> At one point, um, Bundy claimed that he didn't hide behind a trash can. He just walked right down the street. Which I am baffled by this. I think this is my favorite escape. <laughs> the second one. Yeah, I think so. Dude, he literally so just walked out insane. the front door. You think having like. Somebody like Ted Bundy locked up at your jailhouse. But at this point, they, he, he's only on there for one. Still. You know what? I, <laughs> I wish y'all could see her face sometimes. But still at talks. this time, they, they, there was speculation that he was, he was responsible for all of them. Because at the end of the first trial he ever faced, the judge had made a point of saying, right. don't try tying this all back to him because people were already speculating right. that, te- that Ted Bundy was responsible. People were. The jury and reporters were, but all Jail of the... House uh, are pe- are j- jailers are people too. I know that. So but I'm I don't, sure. I think they're just getting a paycheck. No. Rumors are rumors. Everybody knew. <laughs> so funny. Um, after he walked out the front door, he checks for over four hours looking for a car. So he's still in town. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Bro. He's still in town. Uh, looking for a car to steal that had the keys in it. So, again, I don't... He obviously didn't know how to hotwire a car. No. He just... Just knew how to kill him. The universe will provide for me, is what he was That's saying. That's what he believed. That karma... If karma <laughs> was... Insane. If karma offered him the right kind of stuff, then he was meant to be doing oh it. Oh, my gosh. Which makes no sense to me. No. So, around 11 p.m., he finally finds an old MG that was running rough without a heater that he uses to get out of town, driving right past the police station on his way out. <laughs> Should be noted. It was in the middle of winter in Colorado. Don't know if any of anybody has... I don't, it gets pretty bad out there in I the wintertime. I've driven through it, but not in the wintertime, but I really? know how bad it gets. Like, if you've I've ever seen The Shining, no. I know you don't like The Shining, <laughs> but like that weather, Colorado, it's in Colorado. So nice. it gets pretty bad. The, the, the snow out there, it's bad um it was middle of winter colorado and it had been snowing most of the day and into the night and officers were patrolling streets helping people get their car started and moving again which is the perfect moment for bundy's stolen car to break down to break down again this man has no luck with cars <laughs> <laughs> he panics obviously he's just escaped um but a man returning from a military base in kentucky offers to help him get the car off the road and ended up offering him a ride to denver where ted claimed to have a wife in labor they get going before an officer stops them and tells them they have to turn around. The weather is getting too bad. They weren't allowing anyone to pass through. Bundy eventually catches a bus to the airport where he takes a plane to Chicago, figuring it would be harder for them to find him in a big city on New Year's. It took jailers 17 hours before they realized that Ted Bundy had escaped his prison cell. Um, and by that time, as we have mentioned, Bundy had far begun his travels um, yeah. out headed east. He took a plane to Chicago, eventually catches a train to Michigan. From there, he drives to Atlanta, then catches the bus to Tallahassee, Florida. So he was he was moving pretty He's quick on the move. Yeah, he was. I know he was in Chicago for a couple days. Yeah, he got kind of 
he got depressed up in Chicago. Yeah. Because um, he could see all these people like with families and real with lives. normal lives. And, yeah. And, and he, he was like, really? why can't that be me? Exactly. You're insane. So then he just kept moving until he got far enough to Florida, which it's important to note why he chose somewhere like Florida because we, me and Caitlin had this conversation earlier. Yes, we did. Um, so again, you have to keep in mind it's the seventies. Yep. When we think about, um, an attractive man, charming man who's killing girls on campus and stuff. That's going to spread fast. Yes. Even, I mean, across the states alone, that's going to spread yes. like a day. Everyone knows yeah. about it. In in today's time. Yes, in today's time. In the 70s, <laughs> does not yeah. work like that. No, I have access through work to this um, <laughs> website called newspapers.com mm-hmm. where I can search through all of these like past newspapers. So right. I had just searched Ted Bundy and what year are we in um 78 77 sure 1977 so i searched ted bundy in 1977 did not specify any state mm-hmm. and i kept scrolling and kept scrolling because i was like okay maybe news of him escaping again you know he's on trial right. for murder maybe it had spread no all of all of the newspapers were utah colorado washington right and which are states that he was at large in so people were like oh he's murdered one girl you know people were already Mm -hmm. reporters were already tying him back like you said to that the others in washington and whatever so i was like it didn't news of this went nowhere it it literally it stayed in the home states where it was happening exactly and then i'm sure there was word in like neighboring states you know because yeah you've got people you know i mean close ties i'm sure across the the next state over but like and and if it was i think there were a couple that were in like papers in illinois Mm -hmm. and like so but they were like just like a couple sentences yeah it didn't spread as things spread in today's world um so down in florida nobody no one knew and no one even knew about ted bundy nobody knew any murders were taking place um whatsoever so he headed down to florida because he thought it would be safer there nobody knew who he was he thought he wouldn't get caught yeah so um but after this escape he has been placed now on fbi's top 10 most wanted fugitives list so so everybody's gonna know soon that's where we get the famous most wanted poster from (laughs) yeah shortly after getting to florida so january of 1978 he signs a lease agreement for an apartment um in a building called the oaks i think it's crazy he signed a lease as but was he under that alias hold on he's got an alias let me let me get to that supposedly at this time bundy had also adopted the alias chris hagan but if you're signing a lease i'm it's not you didn't i have don't have a problem with him produce. signing his name i have a problem with him leaving a paper trail signing a lease as if he's gonna be there where else is he supposed to stay what do you mean he's not gonna stay in florida for the next year okay but he has to stay somewhere he's just gonna slum it in his car why not because he needed a home base. What if he was taking them home? He wanted to dismember them. Yeah, let's see if he takes them home. Go ahead and keep reading. <laughs> okay, I will. I will. Thank you. Um, I did find it interesting. In 2002, the place Bundy had lived, which was located on Florida State's Fraternity Row, burned down, much to the relief of FSU students who called it an eyesore and told reporters, quote, the building will not be missed. <laughs> they did not care. It is now a parking lot for one of the fraternity houses. That's so sad. Yeah. I think it's cool. I would love to see that on my <laughs> That's campus. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Likely about a week after moving into the place, Bundy had been scoping the area for his next victim. Obviously, I mean, he went next to the school. That's where he decided to park it. 
This is where the Chi Omega sorority house comes into play. The house Bundy was staying at was only about three blocks or a 10 minute walk away from the sorority houses. Yeah. So around 3 a.m. on January 15th of 78, Bundy breaks in. Um, through some reports, it's said that he comes in through an unlocked door, which is familiar to a previous case. Yes. Um, Chi Omega sorority house and finds 20 year old Margaret Bowman and 20 year old Lisa Levy which, by the way, is our ages. Yep. So can you imagine? <laughs> I read that earlier and I said, no, that's us. 21 and 20. Crazy. That's insane. Um, they were both sleeping in their room. Uh, Bundy beats and strangles both girls. Reports saying Margaret had been beaten with a telescope. Police argued that it was more of a heavy oak log. Yeah, they um, found, police found like pieces of wood in yeah. their wounds and stuff. So I couldn't, I was like this again, discrepancies. Exactly. Um, she was beaten so severely that parts of her brain were visible. Once again, he had used tights um, or stockings to strangle the woman. Reports say that he had sexually assaulted at least one of the girls as well. He's back at large, guys. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's back. He said, I, 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 "He said I couldn't stay that he long." Said, Reign of Terror number two. Yeah, part two. Yes. After this, Bundy leaves their room or rooms. I couldn't. I think that they were together because of the this next yeah. part. Um, and enters the room of twenty-year-olds Karen Ann Chandler and Kathy Kleiner. The girls had gone to bed around midnight and reported hearing the their door slam open in the middle of the night. Kathy woke up just in time to see Bundy raising his arms over his head before he began bludgeoning her. The commotion causes Karen to stir, taking Bundy's attention off of Kathy as he goes to beat Karen as well. Um, headlights of another sorority sister were turning supposedly from a late date um, shown into the room and it breaks Bundy's focus, spooking him and causing him to flee the house. Yeah. So we're obviously seeing some familiarities now among the cases. Yes. His um, very first murdered victim was Linda Ann Healy. We talked about her last week um, and he had broken into her and her roommate's house through an open door. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's, I uh, must be his first First Which is why I is don't think house. I don't think he broke into the sorority house. I think he just let himself in. No, yeah, it doesn't a, yeah. seem like he like breaks in. He oh, just takes he advantage an of an open door. Yeah, exactly. Um, another familiarity that we're seeing is Karen, who was his first victim, but she is a survivor. Um, he he was in the middle of sexually assaulting her when he got spooked and he ran. Yeah, so he obviously spooks easily i was gonna say it's off. like it's almost like he's focused on what he's doing but not so much that he's unaware of his surroundings of stuff going on around him. yeah and i think he he's this big force to be reckoned with in the moment but as soon as he feels threatened that he's going to get caught he's he flies out there he's out gone. the door he's gone he zooms yeah exactly um, and another, um, another similar similarity, is that the word? <laughs> yep. Another, uh, similarity that we're seeing is the stockings, which I never knew until we were doing research and stuff. I know there's another serial killer that is known for using stockings and stuff, but I don't think he used their stockings though. Right. It's just, he brought them with him. I'm yeah. sure. He just had them still. He's still using stockings. Yeah. To, um, to strangle the girls, which I, well, originally I thought that like he was using theirs for some reason. Oh, really? Because that's what there's yeah. a serial killer who does that. That's what I thought originally Ted Bundy was like, finding their stocking, like beating them over the head and then finding their stocking. <laughs> he said, pass out. I'm going to go look through your facts. drawer real fast and look for your pantyhose. Exactly. That's what I thought. 
It's not like no. that, guys. No, I think he was bringing them with, with him. He was because this next part, you can tell that he does. He just has them like in it, shoved in his I back pocket. So. This Oop. next part, I shouldn't laugh, but I, when I read it to myself earlier, I giggled. Because okay, <laughs> let me read it and then we'll talk. Bundy then after fleeing from the sorority house, yeah, takes another ten minute walk such close distance here um, from the sorority house to the apartment of Cheryl Thomas, a 21 year old dance major living off FSU property and climbs in through an open kitchen window. Thomas stated that Bundy came in with pantyhose over his face. <laughs> I'm sorry. But can you imagine a grown man <laughs> busting in your house? Climbing? No, because my thing is, hold on. <laughs> My thing is, is most kitchen windows are situated over the kitchen sink. Yeah. You imagine. <laughs> I Some reports I read that she had just gotten home. She was sitting on her couch watching TV. Right. You imagine hearing commotion from the kitchen. Let's just say it's behind her. Right. And you turn around to see this grown man clambering through your window over your sink, knocking stuff over <laughs> with pantyhose on his head. I'm gonna say, I know, I'm sure people listening have tried this before. Actually, we did it when we were kids. You stuck a pair of pantyhose over your head and it smashes like your yes. face, and you just look silly as yes. can be. That's the only thing I can think no, of. I know. Is Ted Bundy, this full and grown then, man, literally, can you t- imagine him grabbing? <laughs> You imagine him grabbing the stocking, pulling it off his head, his hair sticking up. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Because I would just stand there, I'd be like, one, terrified, but two, what are you I doing? Laughing. Yeah, because that's what she said that she pulled it off his head and dropped them on the ground. I love that. <laughs> I'm just saving it for she later. Said be for real. <laughs> Reports say that Bundy then beat her just like he had the other women, literally, moments before yeah. this. Um, breaking her jaw and fracturing her skull in five places, causing severe nerve damage to her left ear, which would leave her with hearing loss and balance problems for the rest of her life, which is really sad to me because she was a dance major. Mm-hmm. And some reports I read, again, I love all the back and forth <laughs> through reading all this. Um, some reports say that she quit dancing because she couldn't. Yeah. And others say that she persevered despite what Bundy had done to her. So I'm like, I don't know. We don't we don't know. No. Even though she's still alive, so why have we not gotten this from her? But yeah. Um <clears throat> Cheryl's neighbor whoa. <laughs> <A> neighbor? <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl's neighbor, Debbie Cicerelli, hears the commotion from inside the apartment and stated that she quote could hear Cheryl moaning and whimpering. Their walls were paper thin. Yeah. Um, Debbie calls Cheryl to check on her, but Cheryl didn't answer, prompting Debbie to call the police. Likely, Bundy had not only bludgeoned, but also assaulted Cheryl in his typical fashion because they found evidence at the scene um, and fled the scene, leaving her for dead. What's crazy is that police were likely on scene at the Chi Omega house and had heavy presence in the area when Bundy attacked Cheryl. Yeah, so this is what, three murders in one night? Yes. Yeah. Well, she didn't die. But like three attempts in yeah. one night. No, five. Oh yeah, because there was two, two in each of the other four, rooms. Five. Yeah. So five attempts in one night. I think I think he was deprived in when he was in jail. And I think when he went to Florida, he just kinda said, Screw it. I think he just kinda went to town and I mean, it's almost like he was trying to make up for lost time. Yeah. You know what I mean? But my thing is is he obviously had to have planned 
Oh, for sure. The sorority house and going to Cheryl's house. For sure. At the same, obviously, probably the same night. Yeah. And I also wonder, makes me curious, if he literally had to walk past police cars to get to Cheryl's house. I'm sure not. No? I don't think they would have been there yet. Really? Mm Mm-mm. Hmm. If he just, I mean, walked out the door and ran. That's fair. You know what I mean? That's so, fair. I mean, pro- maybe by the time he got to Cheryl's, there was police cars yeah. outside, but I think it would have taken a minute. Police are kind of slow. You think he walked all the way from the sorority house to Cheryl's house with the pantyhose on his head? No. I think he carried them in his pocket until he got there and then stuck them on his head. Also, are we thinking about pantyhose in the same way they were in the 70s? What do you mean? Because, like, stockings... Like they have the ones that just stop around your thigh. Does it really matter? And then they have yes, because the picture I have in my head of really? Ted Bundy wearing pantyhose on his head. What are you thinking? Because when we were just talking about it, I was thinking like the pantyhose that full like me the too full coverage ones me too with two tails. Yeah, two legs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I yeah, I would like to see a picture of that. Ted Bundy with the pantyhose. I on really his head. doubt that there is one. You think Most he took a selfie? Not. You know, you, can you imagine Ted Bundy taking a selfie? Hold on, let me whip out my Polaroid camera real fast before I go murder this woman. It could it, it, it didn't have to be a Polaroid. Could have just been a film camera. He liked he Polaroids. It. You'll see. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a good segue. Thanks. <laughs> um, so Florida authorities were about three weeks into their investigation with the FSU students when they got the news that a 12-year-old little girl, Kimberly Leach, had disappeared from school in the middle of the day. This one, I think, hurts the most. This little girl. Yeah. Because he's gone. He's steadily kept around, you know, upper teenage I would age. I say he had his stint last episode with right. like 15-year-olds. Right. And that was the youngest yes. we had gotten. Mm-hmm. But now we're dropping down to little girl to territory. Yeah. And I don't like that. Yeah. Um, that's where it does it. I mean, none of this sits right with me, but right. it's, I don't know. It's a different, different kind of like ick when it gets to little, little girls. Um, she had disappeared from school in the middle of the day in a town 90 miles east of Tallahassee. Um, there is, this is an important case that we're going to remember later. Uh, February 9th of 1978, Kimberly disappeared without a trace from Lake city junior high school. Um, this is still in Florida, in the middle of nowhere in Florida. Yeah, I looked it up because I was going to like try to relate it back to where people knew where it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's so far from this. No, it's literally in the dead center of Florida. Yeah. Um, so school officials contacted her parents, let her know that she had not returned to class after her first period. Her friends had also stated that they had gone to their quote unquote designated meetup spot at the end of the day, but Kimberly had never showed up, which was very unlikely for her. Um, so Kim's parents immediately called everyone they knew asking if Kimberly had gone to their house instead of coming home. Um, and they never, never got an answer. They never, not, nope. they got an answer. The answer like, was no. Nope. Kim, Kim's not here. Yeah. They, they never found her. Um, so after learning this, her parents immediately contacted authorities and reported their daughter missing police <laughs> initially were convinced that Kimberly was a runaway. I mean, it's the seventies. So like all those kids just hitchhiked back then they still do it now not hitchhike police still do that now oh yeah for, for sure for like 10 year old little kids that go missing why well, I mean, they probably just ran away i'm sorry I, he's 10 year old or that's my kid go find Literally, them yeah they can't just run away if they want you know okay i got my own beef with that it's sorry. okay <laughs> it's okay feel passionately about that one yeah obviously <laughs> it's okay you should be 
Well, that's it's just because there's so many true crime cases today where that's where they mess up. Because I would say my thing is, is if we start looking now, yes, we have a better chance because they of say preventing you have like 48 hours for before yes. there was like no hope left, really, that you're going to find that's them alive. Insane. And the thing is, police always will. Let's just we're going to rule as a runaway. We have to wait another 24 hours. It's like, I'm about to come out with guns blazing, dude. No, literally. What are you talking about? Go find my little... Okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Go find my kid. Okay. Back on topic. <clears throat> so, police were convinced that Kimberly was a runaway, but her parents and close friends of Kim's urged them to believe that she would never have done something like this. One friend had stated that she was very, very shy, so it was hard to believe that she would just... Up and run away. Take off. Yeah. yeah. Um, February 8th, which is the day before Kimberly vanished, 14-year-old Leslie Ann Parmenter was approached by a nervous-looking man in a white Dodge van outside her school. He claimed he was a fire department official and tried to strike up a conversation with Leslie. Moments later, Leslie's brother, Danny, pulled up to pick her up, and the man quickly sped off. Leslie was suspicious, as was her brother, and they wrote down the license plate number of the white Dodge. Quick thinking. 13D11300. Quick thinking. Um, So Leslie and Danny provided a detailed description of the man, and a composite sketch was drawn up. This is a famous composite sketch is it Hold yes it's it pretty famous you've never seen it i don't think so oh <laughs> i think it looks funny oh. <laughs> is it that one that's the one oh why is that so close together <laughs> uh, it was it was big um honestly if i look if you showed me this and said who is this i wouldn't say it looks like ted bundy me neither me neither. I still think he looks like Fozzie the Bear. Dude, he looks like a Q-tip. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you listening, please go look up the Ted Bundy yeah, composite sketch Google so that it. you know what we're talking about. It's so funny. But it was it was, it was was popular back then because like they couldn't share pictures around because they didn't have a picture of him. All they had was this composite sketch. They had sketch. his wanted poster. Not at this point. Yeah. But they didn't know it was Ted Bundy, Caitlin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> they didn't tie this back to them yet. My bad. They had just another composite sketch. Well, the thing is, they had like the original states where he was doing stuff, they had a composite sketch. And they obviously now they knew that was Ted Bundy. Right. Now Florida's got a composite sketch. That's when they start comparing composite sketches and. Got you. Yeah. Th- that's just how they solve stuff back then. I guess. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. <laughs> oh, where was I? Um, so this composite sketch was then sent to investigators in Tallahassee working on the Chi Omega sorority attack. They recognized the sketch immediately as the main suspect in their murders, Ted Bundy. At the time, Bundy was a fugitive from Colorado where he had been facing trial for the murder of Karen Campbell. He had already been convicted of kidnapping a woman named Carol DeRanch in Salt Lake City. And cases began tying themselves together and Ted was now on... Well, he was not on the hunt. (laughs) Well, he was, but he was also being hunted. (laughs) The hunter becomes the hunted. Literally. (laughs) Um, Timeline update. February 15th, just under a week later, Ted is arrested while driving a stolen car radically again. Shocker. I can't believe it. This man cannot drive. I can't believe it. He gave officials a stolen ID and claimed to be an FSU student named Kenneth. (laughs) Such an official name. so random. (laughs) Legit. Um, By February 17th, two days later, he finally tells officials his true identity, which... We're sure that they knew. Uh, jumping forward to April, Kimberly Leach's body is found beaten and assaulted in a hog shed near the Suwannee River State Park in Florida. Oh, that one hurts so she much. She was like shoved. One yeah. of the things, she was shoved under the roof of the hog shed. It's so sad, dude. <laughs> Just a little 12-year-old girl. 
Imagine being the one like responsible for finding her. How terrible that would be. That's so sad. That's so sad. (laughs) Now in June, the Florida trials are starting. These trials were some of the very first to be televised, which is a big thing because we know how important media and stuff like that is today. Yeah. Um, um, Ted Bundy was so big in the states that he was in and surrounding states that that was kind of probably the push to televise it. Right. Because he was such, it was already, he just kept going. Uh, Oh yeah, that's (laughs) the thing is that even though it wasn't like big across the country or the world, it was so big just in those states where he was actively killing people that it was like, let's Let's get this this on on TV. TV. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, These trials were a big turning point in the case because they were the final push to get Ted Bundy convicted. Uh, during this trial is also when Liz cuts all ties with Ted. Oh, I love Liz. <laughs> so Bundy requested once again to represent himself at trial, which he was once again granted. This dude. Which you'd think if he dumped out the window the first time. Exactly. They well, they're going to put it, they're going to put shackles on him this time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So during the trial, he continually referred to himself in the third person, which we mentioned a little bit last week. And we're going to go into deeper later in this episode because I find this stuff really interesting. Um, But he referred to himself as Mr. Bundy at the entire court trial. It's like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I put that in the notes. It's (laughs) in here somewhere. Yeah. Because I I put in the notes. I said, it's literally Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde coming to life. That's so crazy. Crazy to me. He refers to himself as if he's a different individual from what he did. Crazy. That's wild. Yeah. He had a calm and confident demeanor and was extremely nonchalant about the entire affair. Um, for majority of the trial, he was reported to have one leg popped up on the back of a chair as if he couldn't be bothered to be there. Um, you think it was rocking back and forth in his chair? He they're was like, laughing the whole court like thing, dude. Four, four, chair, four legs on the ground. Pay attention. <laughs> this is important. Court is in session. <laughs> We're just giggling about Ted Bundy. Yeah. I'm walking by. (laughs) Well, I was checking. Oh, you are rolling. Yeah, Yeah. we're good. Oh. You're fine. You're You're fine. Hi. There you go. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I'm leaving that in. You're fine. You're fine. Stop. Oh, you're good. <laughs> Please do leave that in That's if it so sounds funny. okay. <coughs> That's hilarious. What are we talking about? <laughs> he was smiling. <laughs> Ted courts in session. Yeah, Ted courts in session. Feet on the floor. Pay t- pay attention. Your life's on the line here. Holy <laughs> <laughs> dude, not care less. No. Um, so psychologists say he was smiling in every picture that was ever taken of him during during the trial, which I think is crazy. Whether it was in prison, whether it was in court, he was always smiling and still had like this charming demeanor to him. He's crazy, dude. Crazy. Crazy. Um, and they say that he, this is, psychologists say that this was due to him suffering from, how do you say that word? Malignant. Malignant narcissism, which basically means that he just craved the sort of recognition for what he did. He thought of himself as being like absolutely brilliant for being able to commit all these murders and he wanted everyone else to kind of see him the same way, which That's is fair. a really interesting way of looking yeah. at it. Um, That's and crazy. admittedly, people do think he's pretty brilliant. I know I've said it before. Where? What do you mean? I think 
if he was brilliant, truly, he would have driven the car correctly. I agree. That's his only downfall. Men Is aren't it? perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. <laughs> it's saying. important to remind everybody that he did not graduate, but he still attended law school for a period of time. So he was likely felt comfortable in a courtroom. Yeah. He moved fluidly around the room and dodged certain questions while on the stand and knew the right questions to ask others on the stand. He even put himself on the stand during the trial, confident that it would be beneficial to his case. Yeah. <laughs> he would have erratic outburst sometimes in court that didn't really make sense to other people but he acted so sure of himself that no one really questioned it too much which is bonkers dude you've got some crazy serial killer storming around your court you'd think someone would be like hey ted sit down what are like, you doing pal do you do you need an adderall dude yeah and like, they, they were all just like no he, he knows what he's doing he's good he's just having a moment guys yeah, that's just ted he's my friend <laughs> That's just how he is. Uh, he did butt heads with his own defense attorney because, as we know, Ted wanted full control over the situation, over the courtroom, the entire everything. Um, like many other serial killers, Ted was a huge fan. Had whoa, like many other serial killers, Ted had a huge fan base of women that would dress up as his victims. Just crazy. <laughs> Because they knew at this point, we knew he had a type that he went for. Right. Um, and crowd outside the courtroom was trying to catch his attention. Among these women was Carol. Was Carol. There were other people there too. Yeah, but Carol was like, she made herself known in that group. It worked. I don't like her. <laughs> I I just, the, well, the whole thing about like fangirling over a literal that's murderer. why i think that stuff like this is not as publicized i've said it before and i will continue saying it till the day i die it is stuff like this is not so publicized now because of stuff like this because of what happened with charles well, we manson we haven't had like a really big serial killer like that how do you know they're not telling you it's it would still be in news if you went and searched for it i agree that maybe I, they won't media size it as much but i still genuinely i don't know you're telling me that since since essentially since the 70s and 80s, we haven't had a serial killer at large? Well, yeah. I mean, look how much, how far we've come in investigation and scientifically. I don't know. It's it's easier to catch people. I think people. that they're just not telling us something. <laughs> You're crazy. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. So Ted Bundy was actually offered a plea deal of 75 years if he would just admit to some of the murders he was being accused of. Just admit to some of them and we'll let you off, all right? <laughs> he said, we'll give you 75 years. You're still going to die just in there. some of them. Yeah. <laughs> not all. We're not asking for all of them. Literally, just, just a couple. Just like two or three. Yeah. He, um, he did consider it briefly before eventually turning it down because to him, <laughs> accepting it meant that he had to admit to the world that he was guilty and he could not face that fact. Imagine being his defense attorney though and they offer him this plea deal and he's like, hold on guys, I gotta think about this for a second. Like obviously you're guilty, dude. He's like, guys, can we take a recess real yeah. quick? I gotta, I gotta ponder this one. Well, to be honest, years later while he was on death row, he admitted that not for one second did he consider taking the plea deal. The only reason he had, um, I guess I don't want to say faked considering it, mm -hmm. but the only reason he let it sit for a while before finally turning it down um, was because he was still, he was just trying to buy himself more time. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Everything was a strategic, like calculated out movement for him. Um, Except for he, driving the car. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So he, he never really planned to take it because he was sure that he was going to get away with it if he just stayed strong and said, I'm innocent. But what a nut. Ain't that crazy? <clears throat> 
The final piece of evidence that was that. Whoa, you got it. I don't know. <laughs> the final piece of evidence that closed the deal on Mr. Ted Bundy was, believe it or not, dental records. This man was a freak. I thought this was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> on one of the sorority murder victims, Lisa Levy. Um, she'd been under autopsy when they discovered bite marks on her butt. Yeah. <laughs> it was noted in the autopsy that there were four bites in total. So he didn't bite her once. <laughs> he didn't bite her twice. Not three times. <laughs> but four. You think it was even? What do you mean? No, it was all on one butt cheek. Oh, really? I do know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> that was a genuine question from my end. Um, dental impressions were ordered while Ted was in jail and they ended up matching his crooked row of bottom teeth to the bite marks on lisa levy this was the 70s again so dna like all of the dna testing stuff we have today wasn't did not exist was not a thing no um they believe that this piece of evidence was the most important parts of the trial and it was what finally got him convicted yeah so what um, a dingus ain't that you got crazy? jacked up teeth and you're biting people yeah and they this was like such an important detail in the case that even in- i saw pictures earlier of them taking i don't know <laughs> you have have you yeah. ever gotten dental impressions yeah. at the orthodontist stuff sucks i hate it i hate it they went into a cell and said sucks. all right buddy they said open up literally <laughs> we need your teeth <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah this was such an important part of the um the trial and stuff that in the movie that they made with zach efron mm-hmm. um extremely wicked they um actually had zach efron wear fake bottom teeth to match ted bundy's i will say out of from the picture I saw, it didn't seem like they were super crooked. But like I know if you're looking at a top down view, yeah, it's they're, different. They're not beautiful. Really? Mm-mm. Now we're gonna Google Ted yeah, Bundy's I bottom look teeth. At them. They were crooked enough to be noticeable, right? Yeah. What are you talking about? They're all over the place, bro. Are they? Look. They're are a those mess. actually his teeth. Yeah, those are his teeth. <laughs> Whoa, dude. Um, so Bundy was convicted of two murders, three counts of attempted first degree murder and two counts of burglary, according to court records. By the end of July, 1979, Judge Edward Cowart, Cowart. So Judge Edward Cowart sentenced Bundy to death twice, once for, well, twice, one for each FSU murder, um, by way of the electric chair. So as we talked about the first episode, it's making its way back into the story. Um, it was also found out that he had decapitated 12 of his victims. They do not talk about this at all. That's what all of my research, none of this at all. I never came across any of this. Randomly stumbled upon this fact. We've been doing research on this for like weeks now. Weeks. <laughs> weeks. And I randomly stumbled upon this, this fact about the, 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 the decapitations. Mm. And I was astounded because they don't talk about it in no any news articles whatsoever no. um but apparently he had decapitated decapitated 12 of his victims taking their heads home as trophies of his quote-unquote hard work he would then wash their hair do their makeup and then sexually assault their decapitated heads um victims heads were unidentified to the public i'm sure officials and stuff know who they are but i don't blame them for not releasing that to the public as far as i'm concerned yeah I will say, though, I did make a comment when we were talking about this earlier about in the last episode, there were like three heads. I think Georgiana Hawkins right. was one of them that they found like over the side of like a mountain somewhere. So I almost have a feeling if they are 
they found these three heads all together well, see, and he didn't kill them all at the same time and dumped is, them together? I don't know how long he kept them for. Right. If he kept them all at his apartment at once, I don't know. If he kept one at a time and then was disposing them, like you said, up in the mountains right. somewhere, I don't know. Gosh. Because again, there's like little no information about it. But yeah. if you look hard enough, there is the information on it. That's and I insane. was blown away. Um, Ted also admitted while on death row that he had performed necrophilia on his victims. He admitted to an FBI agent in an attempt to, quote, clean his soul. Um, he talked about positioning the dead bodies in sexual or disturbing positions and how he took Polaroid pictures of them, quoted saying, when Ted Bundy was asked why he took Polaroid pictures of his victims, he said, when you work hard to do something, you want, when you work hard to do something right, you don't want to forget it. <laughs> That's dark. How <laughs> nasty, dude. It's crazy. And the thing is, the whole time I'm reading, foul. reading about Ted Bundy and stuff, like, yes, all the details are, like, gross, but I feel like when you bring necrophilia and decapitation to it, it's just a whole nother level of just, like, what? <laughs> Literally, dude. Ew. Absolutely crazy. Uh, Ted was quick. He was quickly back inside the courtroom as he was faced with another trial in January of 1980 for the murder of Kimberly Leach, the 12 year old little girl, his vinyl and um, youngest victim. Yeah. By February, he was found guilty and sentenced to death once again due to the pile of evidence surrounding the case. Not only did eyewitnesses see Ted leading Kimberly to his car at the school, but microfibers of Ted's jacket were left on Kimberly's body, which was found during the examination. Yeah. So during this trial, Ted being the romantic man that he is called i hate this detail you're fine he called carol to the stand and proposes to her while she's on stand Which, let me tell you he said that he didn't do it to get good in the eyes of the court which i do not he believe said he was doing it for love and i think that's a load of crap it's a load of crap there's sorry there's no way no he was he trying was a new angle yes <laughs> literally that's all he yes. was doing um, but basically he asked her to marry him and her response being as the crazy woman she was, I do hereby marry you. And believe it or not, that makes it a legal marriage because it was done in the courtroom. They were legally married now. Um, um, they even had a daughter together named Rose. This dude's in jail. Yeah. How Carol they had just a, let them consummate their marriage? No. Carol, there was an interview about it and Carol told them that it's no one's business how she got pregnant while Ted was in jail. So... Are we sure it's actually Ted Bundy's kid then? Believe so. I mean, she carried the name Bundy. <laughs> Rose did. Mm, weird. Although Ted Bundy, again, let's remember Ted Bundy was who he was. Mm. Probably sweet talked his way into getting like 15 minutes alone with his now wife. That's fair. So, I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised. Yeah. Foul. <laughs> yeah. So their marriage was legal. Um, they even had a daughter, daughter together born in October of 82. Um, but she would later divorce him in 86. Rose Bundy never met her father. Carol took her and left and basically cut all contact with Ted after their separation. And Rose had made the choice to stay out of the spotlight and not speak about yeah, her father. Yeah, she divorced him. Like, she was with him almost right up till the end. She divorced him three years before his execution. Right. I know, but still. Yeah. She's crazy. <sighs> what a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Bundy would sit on death row for 10 years until finally meeting the electric chair. He would claim innocent until right before his execution in 1989 when he finally admitted to the heinous crimes. He agreed to interviews and, quote, confess to what he did in the third person. Right. So while on death row, psychologists studied him and his actions, trying to piece together how someone could be capable of everything he had done. This is the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Yes, Hyde. this is where I put the notes in about that. 
it was like the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde becoming reality. Um, during these interviews, more than one person made note of Ted's eyes turning so dark that it looked like his eyes were completely black when he would retell the gruesome murders. That's so gross. That fact Imagine when I first read it there gave and me chills. being in that room chills. when that happens. <sighs> chills, dude. Oh, I'm giving the heebie jeebie. Right? <laughs> Say call it. Whoa. See, call it. <laughs> Psychologists say that people, serial killers, tend to use a third person when retelling events because it allows them to remove themselves from the situation. We talked about this a little bit last episode when Ted recalled his childhood. He used the third person. And when he represented himself at trial, he also used the third person. It's a common tactic that psychologists recognized right away. Yeah. So a defense psychiatrist diagnosed him with manic depression. Um, Ted described these quote unquote mood swings as um, episodes that were really low for him. He didn't feel depressed or sad, but would feel like extremely tired and at a loss for motivation. And he would always try to conceal himself during these periods to hide away so no one knew because that wasn't part of the act he was trying to put on for everybody. Mm -hmm. He wanted to play the role of like a very well-rounded, good-looking, happy-go-lucky guy. and Hence the always smiling in the pictures. Right. So when he hit these lows, he would just kind of disappear for a couple of days until he felt better yeah. and came back. Which... In opposition to that, there were those manic highs. Yes. One of these manic highs was when he escaped from Glenwood Springs Jail in 1977, like we talked about. Yeah. He described these highs simply as, things were finally happening. Things were finally going his way. Nothing could go wrong. And karma was finally righting itself. Mm -hmm. The escape in 1977 was, quote, too easy. He walked right out the front door and the jailer's of the jailer's quarters and Ted took it as karma being so right that it simply compensated for all of his errors of being caught. It was like a switch constantly being flipped on and off inside of his which head. Which is crazy, which is why I think when he broke, when he escaped the second time, made it down to Florida, I think he was on like the biggest manic high that he's had. <laughs> yeah. Cause he would have been coming out of the low in Chicago. Right. Exactly. So I think it's kind of interesting. Go back and look at like the, the timeline of everything and yeah. stuff. So um, he would also later admit that he had hid himself away and made sure he was out of the house when he lived with Liz and felt one of these episodes coming on. He didn't want to hurt Liz or their daughter or her daughter. Sorry. Um, I believe personally, I believe he did love Liz in his own weird little way. I think he did love Liz. Um, she matched the look of all of his victims, right? With the long, dark hair and stuff. Um, but he was just, he was a sick man. He, Obviously. He just, but he did love her, I think. He did make an attempt to kill Liz once. Um, yeah. He admitted it to her in 1978 over a phone call from jail when she finally asked him why she was still alive, why he had never killed her. Yeah. Why was she spared? Um, he basically had blocked off the chimney and shoved a towel under the door with hopes that their home would fill up with smoke. See, he was trying to do... He, like, he wasn't the one doing it. What do you mean? Like he wasn't the one murdering her as he did right. the victims. It was like, it's almost like he felt bad for her being connected to him. Exactly. It was this weird battle he had inside yeah. of him that was like, I don't know. Um, um, so when the house started filling with smoke, she woke up in a panic and opened up all the windows in the home. Um, and thankfully, no real damage had been done to her or her house or her child. Right. <laughs> um, he had made threats to kill her throughout their time together. So, for example, when she had found a pair of women's underwear in their house, which we now assume 
is a victims. <laughs> said trophy. Exactly. She had found it and she basically confronted Ted about it and he snapped on her and told her that if she ever told anybody what she found, the underwear, um, that he would break her neck. So. Which is like a very severe reaction if he had just been cheating on her. No, exactly. <laughs> it, it was a little much. Like, yeah, all right, Mrs. Ted. <laughs> Molly, Liz's daughter, now an adult, remembers Ted being very physical with her, tickling and carrying her but being left very unsettled by him and where he placed his hands. She remembered getting hit in the face with a football as a young girl playing outside with Ted and him telling Liz it was accidental um, when Molly felt it was intentional. I'm just chucking a football at a kid. <laughs> a little girl and her going crying about it to her mom saying he, he threw a football at my head and Ted going, it was an accident. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't mean to guys. There are multiple instances like that where Ted had Molly convinced he would never hurt his little girl. Throughout her childhood, she remembers Ted gaslighting her mother constantly when they would get into arguments. Quote, you're always wrong. Sorry. Quote, you were always wrong if you thought Mr. Perfect could have had any ill intent whatsoever. End quote. She writes, you ended up feeling bad for questioning the integrity of such a marvelous person. Despite these memories, she remembers Ted being a vibrant part of their lives more than anything. She loved Ted like a father and really cherished the time she had with him, but was forced to accept the truth when she heard what he had done to all those women. Isn't that crazy? Imagine growing up with that dude around and then you're like, oh, uh, he he killed a 12 year old little girl. You're like, huh? She's not 12 years old. We're talking about (laughs) for real. Um, So Liz believes that he only made the one attempt because Molly and her was his link to a normal life. Right. That makes sense. Um, she put together her own timeline and realized that Ted would call or he would write or he would make a visit home right before one of his killings. How weird. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. She figured that out on her own. Ew. Um, she even at one point asked Ted about her theory and he admitted to her that it sounded pretty spot on to him. That oh he, my gosh. Isn't that crazy? Um, he admitted that he didn't black out during these episodes. He remembers every little thing he did. It was just like some dark force that would consume him. He'd walk past a woman on campus and start following her. He didn't want to follow her, but something made him do it anyways. And he had given up control to a darker side of himself. Some also believe that he didn't attempt to harm Liz because she made a good cover for Ted. He had the charisma and charm, no problem, but having a good and steady relationship and a child made him even more of a well-rounded guy, especially to be in a relationship with a woman that had a kid that was not yours. Exactly. Um, He was practically a husband to Liz. He was more or less a father to Molly. He was involved in politics, working at a crisis center and being a faithful member of the church. He was everything he needed to be. Right. Um, And he did. He covered himself pretty well. That's what I'm saying. I think he just had a good alibi. Exactly. Please investigate. What are you talking about? I was at home with my wife and child. I wasn't out killing women. <laughs> um, women? I don't know what women are. <laughs> I only got eyes for my one woman. <laughs> um, Ted held Liz in a special place. Um, by Bundy's own admission, he loved Liz to the point of imbalance. Um, and quote unquote, I loved her so much it was destabilizing. Bundy once told journalist. I felt I felt such a strong love for her, but we didn't have a lot of interests in common, like politics or something. I don't think we had much in common. I just think that's his own way of deflecting because she didn't want him anymore. That's fair. I think I think that was always was only like we just separated. It was mutual. When it wasn't mutual, (laughs) she said, "I'm leaving you. (laughs) Goodbye." Um, So Ted's final known victim count was 30. However, Ted told investigators to add a third digit to that number and they might be closer to the actual 
um, final count. That's so insane. Yeah. He was you think insane. he was just doing that to throw him off, though? I don't know. And he, the thing is, he said it multiple times. So I don't know if he was saying it to kind of make himself self sound like inflated. Yeah, like, like he was a the bigger situation. monster than he actually yeah. was, even though he was already like terrible. Like you've already killed 30 people, dude. You like, don't need to add yeah. any number to any of it. So um, law enforcement and stuff believe that possibly he had at least hit 100 victims. Um, but that being said, that would mean there's at least 70 that we yeah, don't even know no about. Way. So I don't I know. Don't know. It's all speculation. <laughs> On January 29th, 1989, Ted made his final walk, headed to the electric chair. Bundy did not make a food request on death row, so he was given the default last meal in the Florida State Prison, which was steak, eggs, toast with butter and jam, hash browns, coffee, and juice. He was reported to be crying and weeping the entire night before all charm and self-assurance was finally stripped away. Uh, two guards walked him to the chair and strapped his arms, legs, and chest to the wooden chair. His head had been completely shaven and an ointment was applied to his head so the electrodes would work faster. Yeah. I knew that they shaved people's heads, but then I saw the picture. The picture <laughs> and I with his shaved head is so he, his, weird. Like, it's so in eerie. my head, he went out with his hair. <laughs> She said he had his hair the day he died. That's what I thought. <laughs> but like, I know that they shave people's heads for yeah, the electric chair, but I was like, that was it, The picture wild. is so eerie. That was wild. Uh, 42 people attended his execution and she, whoa, 42 people attended his execution, including Jim Coleman, one of his lawyers and Fred Lawrence, the Methodist minister who had spent the night with Bundy in prayer, which is funny that they had a Methodist preacher because wasn't that what his family was? I believe so. And then Bundy used the LDS church, I believe, as a mm-hmm. cover up. So, yeah. Um, all watching from behind a clear glass wall, Ted recognized and nodded to a few other attendees before lowering his head and mumbling what we can only guess was a prayer. Yeah. So Ted's final recorded words were, Jim and Fred, I'd like you to give my love to my family and friends. Um, it was noted that for once, Ted Bundy had no smile. He had no smirk on his face whatsoever um even though there is that's that's kind of like a big myth that goes around that ted bundy mm-hmm. was smiling as they electrocuted yeah, him right it's not true um as far as like eyewitness reports mm-hmm. it wasn't true um a final strap was then pulled across bundy's mouth and chin and metal skull cap was then bolted in place and a heavy black veil um fell in front of his face so they couldn't actually see him An anonymous executioner pushed the button and quickly released 2,000 volts through the wires. Bundy's body tensed and his hands tightened into fists. A tiny puff of smoke lifted from his right leg. (laughs) A minute later, the machine was turned off and Bundy went limp. A paramedic opened the blue shirt and listened for a heartbeat. A second doctor aimed a light into his eyes. At 7.16 a.m., Theodore Robert Bundy, one of the most active serial killers of all time, was pronounced dead at 42 years old. The witnesses filed out of the prison, one raising his hand to signal that the execution had been completed, and over 500 people across the street who had been waiting all morning broke out into cheers and celebration. Some began chanting, burn, Bundy, burn. Um, Others sang and hugged or banged the frying pans they had brought along. Policemen had been interviewed saying that they wished they had been the ones to push the button on Ted Bundy. Jeez. Ain't that crazy? (laughs) The minister who sat all night with Ted, Fred was reported saying that Bundy had shown great remorse in his final days, saying he felt terrible for the families that were grieving, which I think just comes from him being at a manic low. Me too. I think he finally realized like these were real people. That's it. And he was like, Oh, well 
for all the pain he had caused, he placed a final call to his mother who stuck by her son's side and loved him until the end. After his execution, scientists requested that his brain be removed to be studied. They theorized that there was some sort of brain damage that enabled Ted to live this double life. Which doesn't make sense to me because it's fried. He got fried. That's what I'm his saying. His brain's going to be fried. Exactly. They, they didn't know. This was the 70s. <laughs> That's true. They said give it over. Um, he was considered to be almost a genius. Um, your IQ has to be 160 to be marked as a genius. Ted Bundy's was hit at 136. Hmm. Upon study, they were upon study they were searching for any abnormalities in his brain gross lesions clear injuries trauma etc um and to their surprise they found absolutely nothing Which i think is so fitting for ted, ted bundy's Bundy. yeah ted bundy's brain was as average as any other man walking down the street looking back now with all the development science has made in the past 40 years they believe it would have had a different outcome yeah so they theorized that if they used today's technology and studied ted bundy's brain while he was alive his gray activity cells would look different than your average brain, which I don't know what that meant until I did some more research. Right. <laughs> um, basically means, which we had talked about, I think, previously in the last episode, um, the area of the brain that deals with empathy, forethought and judgment, your prefrontal cortex. Yeah. Um, is not active, if at all active in most murders and serial killers. Hmm. Um, so it's often the case that this lack of activity is due to brain damage after an accident or injury of some kind which is why a lot of serial killers have some sort of like childhood trauma being abused huh. or something yeah. that gets damaged when they're young so that's why they kind of thought okay maybe ted bundy had yeah damage to that uh prefrontal cortex but they found I guess nothing we'll never know <laughs> it's believed that he was likely maybe born with it or it was underdeveloped um, which is why he is not only fascinating to psychologists, but also just to scientists in general. He is a mystery that science could not find an answer for. Yeah. Um, and that pretty much sums up Ted Bundy, the big, inf not infamous, <laughs> the big famous campus killer. Um, Liz has chosen to keep her life private, staying out of the spotlight. She chose to change her name to Elizabeth Kendall in hopes of having a fresh and new start. Her last update a few years ago was that she was living in Washington State, and she did mention that she actually visited the set of Extremely Wicked, Shocking, Evil, and Vile during production. Huh. Uh, Molly, which is Liz's daughter, is also living in Washington State with her mother, um, and she has made the same decision to keep her life private and has refused all and any interviews um, about her father. There you go. Carol Ann Boone took their daughter Rose to see Ted while on death row. She believed she believed in Ted's innocence and finally heard the confession come from Ted's mouth. Whoa. She believed in Ted's innocence until she finally heard the confession come from Ted's mouth about the murders. Yeah. They divorced three years before his execution, like we mentioned, and she cut all connections with him, took Rose, and moved back to Washington State. Funny how they both ended up back in Washington. Isn't it weird? She refused to take a final call from him on the day of his execution. It's believed Carol changed her and her daughter's names to stay out of the media. Um, she fought to keep her and her daughter's life private and quiet. She was ready to move on. She, she passed away in a Washington state nursing home, January of 2018. Rose has succeeded in staying hidden. Um, she is expected to be in her late thirties now. Um, and Anne rule who we mentioned last week, she was not only a major author, right? But she was a former coworker and a good friend of Ted's. She was a big, big, big advocate for Carol and Rose. She spoke out against the media that was working to find Carol and Rose's whereabouts. Um, she believed they were entitled to their privacy following awful headlines of being linked to the serial killer. 
um, and Rule passed away in 2015 at the age of 83. So she's no longer I with us. Did not know that. I didn't. I thought she was still alive. So did I. <laughs> Uh, that being said, there are several, several books written by some of these mentioned names. Anne Rule wrote a book called The Stranger Beside Me, where she retells and recounts uh, her time as Ted Bundy's co-worker and friend, breaking down how he had everyone fooled. She even has an interview with Rose Bundy in the book. Elizabeth Kendall, my favorite. <laughs> um, she wrote a book in 1981. So pretty much like as soon as everything mm-hmm. had happened, she wrote a book called The Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy. Uh, where she basically retells her and Ted's love story and how everything fell apart. She talks about how everyone in his everyday life had been completely fooled and left in pure shock when the truth came out. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile was based on this book and Elizabeth's encounter of the entire event. There's also a book about the interview Ted finally agreed to while on death row called Conversations with a Killer. He gives a third-person confession to the murders, giving detail and tactics for how he picked and attracted his victims. Netflix turned this into a docu-series in 2019. Yeah, so there is a lot of information out there, a lot of different books, a lot of different sources. Um, We covered a lot of them. (laughs) We did. (laughs) We covered a lot of them. Um, But yeah, that's... That's Ted Bundy. That's that's the whole. There he is. That was all breakdown. That was a that was a lot. We spent the past like at least three to four weeks. I would say I think it's been a month. Yeah, doing research for, doing just research on him. Yes. And then the further you get into it, the more people get involved, and the more. And you have to, you have to look up all all these people and dates and places. And I went down rabbit holes looking up the timeline places were were a mess. I feel like there was never just a clear timeline. I like this happened here and this, it was yeah. all over the place and yeah. so much happening at once. Um, but I think we had like 40 pages of information yep. and research we typed have, up. Yes. So we <laughs> worked insane. our little butts off for this We really one. did. Um, it's so much to cover though. Yeah. It was so much to I'm cover. I'm glad we broke it down to two episodes. Yes. Definitely. Me too. <laughs> Me too. There's no way to fit this all in one. No. Um, but yeah, I don't know what we're going to do for next week or next episode. No, yeah. I don't know. No ideas at the table yet. <laughs> we're kind of just winging it. Yep. Ted Bundy was the big, big one. But yeah. on to the next thing, I guess. There we go. Um, this is the last episode you're going to get until Halloween or your last episode you're going to get before Halloween. Yep. We're going to be uploading right after Halloween. Okay, well, until next episode, Yep. stay safe, stay alert, and, and stay, stay alive. alive. We're getting so much better.